along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this young lady back. It's uh, Ellie Bradley. She's the News Nation Southwest correspondent. In fact, I think she's the best. And this is, uh, I'm going to go for it. You're the best border reporter we have, period. Uh, Ellie, how are you? you? You say you're tired. You look great. Thank you so much for that wonderful, marvelous introduction, Pag. So glad to be back. Uh, you know, we've been grinding down in Eagle Pass all week and uh, a little fried, a little toasted, ready to go home, if I'm honest. But it's a grind that I'm so happy to be able to do and honored to do, honestly, be able to be a voice for those that don't have one. That's always the goal. You know, um, you are daily putting up information. Those those who watch News Nation see you, but then you put up information on all the social media that is just mind blowing. You're the ones that showed us. Uh, you're the one that was, that showed us the open gates in Arizona. You're the one that is talking to cartel members through the through the fences. D- did one call you over or something, or did you call them over? You had a a literal conversation through the fence, right? Yeah. So I I watched these guys uh, push a group of migrants through a hole that the human smugglers cut in the wall in Lukeville, Arizona. They actually, it was a Peruvian family, Joe, and one of them only had one leg and he came through with a walker, right? So we're watching this all unfold. And mind you, you don't just show up in Lukeville and see this happening. I'm hiding in culverts for like four to five hours or behind big piles of sticks or big cacti and hiding out and waiting for the cartel, these, these criminal, you know, smugglers, to start to get too deep into it where you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube and then you kind of pop up and you video them, right? And and they're already pushing hundreds of people through the wall. So that's how you really catch it. You have to stake it out for a really long time because they're not just going to really openly uh, cut through the wall and things like that. But this this one guy, he had like a Punisher mask on. Yeah. He comes through this hole in the wall and he literally, he's giving me a thumbs up, he's waving, and he literally flexes in the gap in the wall. And as he's walking away, he kind of comes over and he makes eye contact with me. And he goes, come over here, waves me over. And I was like, man, this might be the time that I get a rock <laughs> to the face or because these guys are known for brandishing weapons. Oh, yeah. And this could have gone sideways in two seconds. But you went because you want the story. Well, you know, I was curious as to what he wanted to talk to me about. And I was there with with another gentleman who wasn't uh, he kind of just documents what's going on at the border. And so yeah. we were staking this out together. So he was filming behind me and I walked up and I was like, what do you got, man? Do you got a gun? Are you going to hurt me? Are you going to do anything? And he pulls out his phone, which, you know, when someone pulls something out of their pocket, it's a little, little uh, unnerving. Yes. And he pulls out his phone and I said, are you recording me? And he goes, yeah. And it was just this ominous. Yeah. You know, like, why are you recording me, man? I mean, I guess the same reason I'm recording him, but you know, it's not, you know, it's seats, right? And so I went over there. I asked him how much he got paid to move those people. If he knew who they were, if he worked for the cartel, what his name was. He wouldn't tell me anything. He just wanted to record me. It was just such a creepy kind of feeling. But then at the end of it all, he goes, he goes, be careful. And I go, all right. And I pulled out. (laughs) I may or may not carry some um, punch daggers in my pocket sometimes. (laughs) And I pulled them out. I go. Yeah, you be careful too. Wow. (laughs) So, you know, I wanted them to know I'm not an easy target because I'm little, man. I mean, uh, you know, I'm 100 pounds soaking wet pretty much out there. And I don't want them to think, hey, there's this little blonde girl running around down here. Easy target, easy grab. And no, you're not going to mess with me down at the southern border. I know what's going on down there. I know, you know, which lines to cross and which ones to tiptoe on. Right. That one I nearly crossed. And uh, I was a little, that was probably this, the most nervous I've ever been down at the southern border. 
Well, the the job that you're doing is amazing. As I said, that is a nerve wracking. Look, I'm a big guy, and I would have been afraid of that of that situation. And and kudos to you for covering the story and bringing us what's actually happening. So many of the media aren't. By the way, it's Allie Bradley, A L I Bradley. Follow her, Allie Bradley TV. She's on uh, uh, News Nation, Southwest correspondent. She's night and day on the border in Arizona, in Texas, everywhere, and just getting the job done. I saw that video, and that guy just didn't care. And the fact that you can take the time to cut a big pillar out of the wall and nobody does anything from DHS blows my mind. I mean, it, it just it, it's unnerving to the rest of us to know that they can do that at any time. And there's nobody on our side going, hey, don't cut our wall. What's the matter with you? Was there an, is there anybody even in that sector or does the cartel now know when Border Patrol will and won't be there? So one of the things, first of all, they know their schedules and their shift change. They literally know this. I'm like, why do you guys stagger your shift changes? Like, why you mix it up a little bit? Yeah. They don't. They literally have the same shift changes. They're like, the cartels know when the shift changes. We're going to get a surge here. And I'm like, okay, it would make sense to kind of switch it up. But they don't. Um, Now, when we were watching the wall being cut through, agents tell me it takes about an hour. We were sitting there for 20 minutes. They made it through the first steel layer, and they were a little bit of the way through the concrete, and then there's a rebar post in the middle, too. So it takes some some skill there. And they're using these little, like, power tools, these anger grinder saws, angle grinder saws. The little wheels, I caught one of them, and you could get them. You can get 10 pack for 10 bucks or whatever. And that's what they're using down there. And so we actually called Border Patrol while this was unfolding, as you should. And so about 20 minutes into it, that's when Border Patrol arrived. And the guy said, "Um, you know, you're lucky it's me because I'm one that actually responds. And the reality is here, Pags. There, it's happening so often. It's happening multiple times a day that, number one, they don't have the manpower and the resources down there. It's slowed down a little bit now. The Lukeville port reopened, Eagle Pass reopened, right? So they got guys back to the to the ports. But they're still struggling with manpower down there. And the sector down there is so vast. And for them to get from one end of the wall to the other, there's a complete wall system in Lukeville. And until you get to the reservation, until you get to Honotam. And so some of the mentality of some of these younger guys, some of these more jaded guys kind of gotten almost complacent, if you will. I don't love that word, but they're kind of like, well, what are what are we going to go up and risk our lives? Maybe get shot, maybe get a rock to the face, maybe get shanked, whatever it might be. Because, again, these guys out here, the groups that we were encountering, these smuggling groups, agents said these guys are the ones known for brandishing their weapons and carrying weapons. And so some of them, it's kind of the mentality of like, why am I going to go over there and put myself in harm's way right. when they're just going to cut another bollard, you know, a couple couple feet down and continue to do it? And that's unfortunate that that is happening, that it's happening so often that there's almost a level of what feels like complacency. Um, however, there are agents that are responding because yeah. we called them, but it's hard. They can't just be up and down patrolling that wall now i did confront mexican police when they finally showed up on the other side of the wall in mexico and i asked them where they'd been i said it takes an hour to cut through these bollards why aren't you guys stopping them over on your side and they wouldn't answer any of my questions the people that they were with actually threatened to take my phone i would have my arm through the wall and was filming all of this (laughs) because you know and they go we're gonna come take your phone i go try Come on, come right. on and answer my questions. They walked away, wouldn't answer my questions and threatened to take my phone. And, you know, Mexico, you've asked them, why don't you do more over there? That's a question a lot of people have. Mexico should do more. But they literally have the mentality, Pags, where it's like, hey, we didn't invite them here. 
their trajectory is not Mexico. They're not staying here. What do you want us to do with them? And I like to have the conversation with people of what would America do if Trudeau was like Bienvenidos? We got an open door up here and we were having everybody fill up the United States trying to get to Canada, right? So the problem is much further south and much deeper than just Mexico. But Mexico isn't doing a lot to deter or deport anyone, right? We know they stopped repatriation flights in November because of budget issues. Yes. And so so that's the reality. And then we know that they're giving them humanitarian visas to live and work in Mexico. Those humanitarian visas have a 40-day shelf life, and they're marked transito for transit how is that a humanitarian visa to live and work there it's a fast pass to the back door of the united states well, it is checkpoints. No, without a doubt it's ellie bradley she's the uh, news nation southwest correspondent does an incredible job uh covering the border and i want to get into sort of a year in review for 2023 in a second but something you just said really did jump out at me and, and, and you and i don't talk politics necessarily but when it comes to asylum seekers when it comes to people who say the word asylum i grew up in south florida we had people coming for asylum from cuba you you had a dictator that would kill you if you disagreed with him. And we had asylum seekers coming from the Soviet Union when the Soviet Union was a thing back in the day. You don't. These people are not asylum seekers because asylum quite literally means stop in the first country that offers you asylum. Many people, and you, I think you told me this, are coming from Brazil where they had asylum. They're coming from Argentina where they had asylum. They're coming from Mexico, which is a free country, allegedly, that can offer them asylum. There is nothing in the international asylum law that says asylum means you get a free pass to the United States. So when Mexico says, what do you want us to do with them? Our answer should be, we don't care. You're the first country that offers asylum. You figure it out. Sending them north doesn't make sense. What I just said, is that being enacted at all, Ali, that asylum really does have a definition? It's like we're changing what it means. Yeah, well, so first of all, Mexico has to agree to keep them, right? And right. They haven't. And here's the other thing. The asylum laws are so muddled. Um, We had 302,000 individuals cross the southern border last month alone. My sources confirm, PAGS, that over 245,000 of those individuals were given a notice to appear. 45,000 use the CBP-1 app. And then released. And then released, right? What was that? And then released, right? Yes, when they have an NTA, that's a notice to appear. We've seen court dates out as far as 2029. I know my friends over at Fox have seen them all the way out in 2031. So wow. you're, you're getting these court dates. And here's the thing. I literally um, have brought this up to officials with CBP because we had a 20-year-old kid cross into Lukeville from Morocco. Morocco is an allied country of the United States. We play very well with Morocco. So how would this individual even qualify for asylum? And he was kicked out into the U.S. He's in New York right now, and his court date's in a year, right? But we know that individual doesn't qualify for asylum because our countries work together. So it's really, really interesting what's happening because... What I'm told is, don't you believe in due process? These people deserve a chance to go through this process. And that's the reality right now. If they come in and they claim any fear, if they're scared to go back to their country, they are given a notice to appear and they go through Title VIII removal proceedings that comes with that notice to appear. And it's kind of gaslighting the American people in a way because DHS keeps saying, we're enforcing Title VIII removal proceedings. We're enforcing Title VIII removal proceedings. So people hear removal. The removal proceedings come with an NTA in 2029, you know, so that's the reality. But the other situation here is a lot of these individuals that are coming across. We know DHS is saying openly that they don't qualify for asylum. But what they're doing and the statistics show that. 
that doesn't matter. You know, and judges have said these people still have to be able to cross anywhere. It's not just at the ports. That's why they're still crossing at the river, because they have to be able to claim asylum anywhere that they are. And that's one of the things that the Republican lawmakers down in Eagle Pass were talking about is kind of fixing the asylum law, fixing the loopholes in asylum. And I said, well, here's the deal. I mean, right now, two years ago, you couldn't have paid someone to tell you that they were here alone or they were here to work. Now they're saying it. They're telling you that very openly. But if, if the asylum rules change or whatever it is, won't the script just change? You know, won't they figure yes. that out? And that is a reality, too. You know, and the unfortunate thing is, again, a lot of these individuals don't qualify for asylum. And the ones that do are in the backlog system of three million cases right now. So it is it is an absolute mess. It's a record breaking historic number of asylum cases in that backlog. And the, they just keep piling up. You know, like I said, two hundred and forty five thousand got notices to appear last month. It's Allie Bradley. She is the News Nation Southwest correspondent. Great, great job. Friend of mine. Love that we're connected everywhere because the stuff that you post every day is mind-blowing and it's really, really good. Let me ask you this. Was there any change? I had Greg Gabbard on yesterday, the governor of the great state of Texas. Has there been any change in the flow across the border into Texas now that the word is out that they're going to arrest you if you don't turn around and go back? So that goes into effect in March. Um, obviously, it's facing its legal challenges right, right. now. The governor saying he's willing to take that all the way to the Supreme Court. They they put the provisions in place to back that law there. Uh, very different than the Arizona, quote, show me your papers bill, right? Right. And so they're pretty confident that this is going to be able to carry on. And it also, um, in March, they'll start seeing 10 years minimum or maximum potentially for human smugglers. Yes. And so there's a lot going on in Texas. But here's the thing. We have seen numbers go down in January across the board. We're looking at about 21,000 encounters for the first four and a half days here of January. But here's the thing. There are some entities running around saying that's because of the Blinken Mayorkas meeting in Mexico. But I looked at ICE uh, documents and data and CBP data. Every single year, historically, we see this drop in Texas and Arizona across the board. Right now, yes. here's what is interesting. That drop, while it happened, the shift in people is so apparent. So last year at this time, El Paso was being hammered. Now it's the Tucson sector. So. People take the path of least resistance, right? right? Texas is pretty sealed up. There's concertina wire. There's ACB, anti-climb barrier that they just put up. There's Connex boxes. There's DPS crawling around everywhere. There's these ramifications that are going to soon be in place and consequences. So there's a lot of people heading into the Tucson sector because there isn't that much resistance. And you know what? To be honest, it's cold right now, and that Rio Grande isn't that inviting. And there's no big river you got to cross into the Tucson sector. And right. the Sinaloa cartel is controlling the Tucson sector right now. And that's one of the reasons why we're seeing so many people from special interest countries come through there, because they pay a lot more money. And the Sinaloa cartel is the big dog. So they want the high-ticket items out there. And so that's what we're seeing out there. We're seeing a lot of people from Africa. A lot of people from Guinea, we just found out that the Tucson sector has been alerted that people in Guinea, um, a certain province specifically, are being coached by their government to change their age to come into wow. the United States as unaccompanied minors. Um, we're being told that they're using fraudulent passports to come in if they're from certain areas of Guinea. And that is one of the uh, primary groups that have been coming through the Tucson sector. So a lot is really unfolding in Arizona. Uh, the governor, you know, she said she had a 
you know, border security plan that was backed by two border sheriffs that would strengthen their communities. One of those border sheriffs that backed her, that's Lukeville, that's Pima County, and it's being absolutely walloped. It's Lukeville and Sassabee, you know, are seeing 5,000 people in the first four and a half days of January. They were seeing they saw 80,000 people last month alone cross into that sector. And so the governor isn't really, you know, taking much responsibility for that at all. She removed those Connex boxes. You'll remember costing the state of Arizona about $12 million after Ducey right. paid, I believe, $9 million to put them in or something like that. And uh, now she just wants to blame the Biden administration and get reimbursement uh, for for the migrant costs that have have been hitting that state there. And so that's what's going on right now. Obviously, she wants to get the National Guard in there. Um, Arizona DPS is a little bit more present on the roadways. But you'll remember she said that the border strike force down there created under Governor Ducey, which is similar to Operation Lone Star. Right. They're not a force and they're not striking at the border. So it's a very different tune in Arizona than what you're seeing in, in Texas. Uh, well, Allie, again, great job there. I'm good friends with with Mark Lamb, who's Pinal County. He is the border sheriff because it's the reservation that hits the border, and then the reservation comes into Pinal County. He says Katie Hobbs has taken away a bunch of money in enforcement in, in trying to in helping them do their jobs. Now she's talking tough as if she's going to do something, but as I think you just alluded to, she's saying things and then asking for reimbursement from uh, from Biden. We're frankly out of time. Uh, thank you so much for finding some time for me today, and and keep on doing the incredible work that you're doing on the border. You just gave us more information in the past 15 minutes that i think we've heard probably from the government in about six months i'll be honest with you hey let's keep talking man we got so much more to cover and never enough time you're the best ali uh go and follow her ali bradley tv and follow and go watch her on news nation we're back after this at the joe pag show stay right here this is the joe pag show Numbers, 245,000 of the 302,000 that came across in December are still here. They've been given a notice to appear, but when you get a notice to appear, guess what? You get to stay. It is mind-blowing what's happening at the border. We've got a two-parter with Rudy Giuliani coming up. The, uh, the mayor talks to me about that $150 million settlement or decision that was made against him in that D.C. court. We're going to talk about what his next step is on that. Talk about Ukraine, Hunter Biden, about January 6th, and a lot more. The Joe Pags Show, coming back. Stay here. Joe Pags.